Hey, welcome to the podcast this week and Youthology Live. Every week we cover a topic in the area of youth ministry and we resource you on all kinds of topics. And this week we are dealing with the topic of racism in America. There are so many things going on right now around this and so we have to speak to it because I don't want to have the uh, answers to the questions no one is asking. Okay, so the topic this week is specifically um, 10 things that white teenagers need to know about racism. <laughs> I know, kind of a different angle, right? But listen, I understand totally that racism is broader than white teenagers. But that's the topic this week. And I think, to be honest, a lot of these uh, things that I'm going to share with you uh, can be shared across uh, race, okay, and ethnicities. So anyway, let me begin by... Uh, reading to you James chapter two. I think James has a lot to say about uh, racism and partiality. You'll see. James, by the way, was the half brother of Jesus, okay? So I think anytime uh, James speaks that we should listen. <laughs> I mean, think about that. He was Jesus' brother, okay? So uh, in James chapter two, he says this, for if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings, fine apparel, and there should also come in a poor man in filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes, right? And you say, sit here in a good place. But to the poor man, you say, uh, stand over there, okay? He says, uh, have you not been thinking with evil motives? Okay, remember that, with that little story, that little analogy, are you not thinking of evil motives when we do that? Then he goes down and he says this, but if you show partiality, you commit sin. Okay, that, that's an amazing thought. If you show partiality, you commit sin. Okay, it's not just a struggle, right? He defines that as sin. And so what I wanna do is help you as a white teenager to see the history of this problem and from 400 years ago in America, take you all the way up to today and how we can make the problem history, okay? So, hey, number one, um, your ancestors are responsible for the beginnings of racism. 400 years ago in America, this all started. Listen, I, know, I realize that you as a, a white teenager were not born into this, uh, that you were born into this world and that it's not your fault. I understand that. But it will be uh, our fault, your fault as a, a, a white teenager in America, Gen Z, if you do nothing about it, okay? So I understand you, you inherited something, but what are you going to do? Okay, number two, you are the most diverse generation in American history. Think about that. I think that's significant. The fact that you are the most diverse generation in American history, which tells me that you are equipped to deal with this issue. When all of the models, uh, Barna, uh, the, the Barna research study, um, and all of the other models that follow it say that 51% of Gen Z is now non-white. That is significant. 
51% of Gen Z non-white. And then the second statistic is that 81% of, uh, of millennials, the older brothers and sisters of Gen Z, and Gen Z together, the millennial Gen Z set together, 81% of them have a person of color in their close circle of friends. So, man, that's a healing point to launch from. Okay, number three, um, you can make a difference. I know that when you look at the structures and you look at the systems of racism, that they seem insurmountable. And you think, man, I'm, I'm, I'm a white teenager. I, there's nothing I can do. No, you got to stop thinking that way. There is something you can do. Remember that a journey of a thousand miles begins with one step, with just one action. Okay, and we'll get into those here uh, following. Number four, talking about racism is uncomfortable. It's, un it's intimidating, isn't it? I know, and that's okay. That's okay. Um, it's intimidating because, partly because, it's something that we just don't talk about often. And listen, familiarity breeds confidence. Familiarity can breed confidence. And so let me give you a couple of things that you can do. I think because it's intimidating that you need to do some research. You need to get up on the civil rights movement and social justice and uh, the history of social justice. Um, it, it, can be, it can be very helpful if you follow people of color on your social media. I think that's really helpful. So, um, and then uh, here, let me give you two resources, two books. And the first is David Anderson and Gracism. I've read that book, uh, powerful introduction of this uh, thought of gracism, the opposite of racism, giving grace to people and grace to ethnicities um, in our relationships with them. And then second is uh, Michelle Alexander's The New uh, Jim Crow and powerful uh, writing on this idea of um, racism from the past and what it looks like today, okay? So becoming comfortable through resourcing you. Let me give you one more idea in this area, this number four, um, and that would be to build um, relationships in communities of color with people of color. So uh, like I said, 80% of you, 81% of you, uh, millennial and Gen Z, you're already comfortable, you already have people in your circle, so now what do you do? Ask questions, talk, talk it out, ask questions. What am I doing that I shouldn't do? Um, what are some things I, sh I should change? What can I do to help, right? Those kind of things. Have those conversations between um, people of color. Okay, number five. Racism is not uh, all complicit, overt behavior, okay? Um, complicit, overt behavior, meaning um, it's macroaggression, okay? In other words, it, it, it is racism uh, by the things I say, or how I treat people, or the wage difference, okay, that's, that's there, um, or violence, that, okay, that would be that overt, okay, um, complicit, it's my fault, okay, I'm, I'm doing that, that's the macroaggression behavior, okay. Not all racism is macroaggressive. 
As a matter of fact, most of it is probably um, more implicit or microaggression, okay? Maybe you've heard the term, maybe you need to get more familiar with this term, implicit bias or um, invisible, the invisible knapsack is what it was initially called. We call it now invisible backpack, things that I carry with, right, that I've carried with me through that I need to unpack, okay? These are white privilege, specialness, okay? All of these can lead to that sin of partiality, okay? So become familiar with the macroaggression and the microaggression. All right, number six, stop thinking that only the KKK and white supremacists are the perpetrators of racism. We, we know that that's not true, that racism um, looks different, okay? For all, listen, a racist does not just drop a cross on your uh, property, a burning cross on your, on, on your property. A racist is not just uh, shaved head and black, black boots, okay? It goes beyond that. Listen, it gets into that macro and that micro discussion. And so what I want you to see is that implicit, that hidden, okay? I, I like to call it the ethic, okay? The ethic of racism and how I treat people because not everything is uh, going to be outward. It, it's ideological, how I think, how I've been raised. We know, listen, we know that children are not born racist. They are raised racist. So we have to deal with that at the um, implicit, okay, um, covert, covered up level. All right, number, number seven, um, seeing race and ethnicity. Wow, one of the things I wish I could tell uh, every uh, white teenager, every teenager, right, is this whole idea of race and ethnicity and the difference between them. R race is your color. Race is your, it's your hair, right? Race is the external physical description of a person. Ethnicity is your background and your culture it's what makes you up, okay? So race being physical, all right? And then ethnicity being cultural or more personal, okay? Um, in, in, in your background and the way that you were raised. So maybe there's, maybe this is a way to look at it. We need to be as comfortable with um, a kaleidoscope as we are with our monochrome, with our monochrome. A monochrome is just black and white. It's, it, it, right, it's way less diverse, okay? A kaleidoscope is much more diverse, has all kinds of hues, okay? Um, we used to sing the song red and yellow, black and white, black, brown and white, they are precious in his sight. This is the whole idea of the kaleidoscope versus the monochrome, okay? So be, listen, be comfortable with humanity, okay? Humanity, okay, which leads me to my uh, eighth point. White is not normal, okay? White is not the norm, nor is black the norm or brown the norm. No, 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 the norm is humanity, okay? So when I say this, I know there's tension when I just say, white is not normal and people can react to that. Well, that's okay. 
we, we should be reacting and um, having these discussions. It's okay to do that. But what I want you to understand is God did not just create white people. And God did not just create black people. And God did not just create brown people. Okay, God created humanity. Okay, so understanding that we need to both uh, recognize race and ethnicity. Okay, all right. Number nine, number nine, time does not heal. I've written on this in my first book um, when I talk about suffering and hardship and how we, how we respond to that. I spent a whole chapter talking about this in the book, hashtag, if Job had Twitter, if you wanna look at that resource. But th here's the idea, time doesn't heal. I, I mean, if it did, uh, is 400 years not long enough? Okay, is 400 years of, of racism not long enough? To, do we have to wait longer? No, listen, time doesn't heal. What we do with time brings healing. In other words, I like to say it this way. If we bring God into our time, then that brings healing. But if we don't bring God into our time, it doesn't bring healing. Because listen, it's, we have to, as Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we have to get rid of old things and welcome new things into our life. The old has passed away, the new has come. Right? John 3, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Listen, this whole idea of time healing, no, 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 no. Time doesn't heal. Integration doesn't heal. I mean, that's all part of it. We want integration. But listen, transformation heals. God and the gospel bring healing. Okay? All right, listen, number 10. Uh, and it goes, uh, it is the opposite of the first one. So let me take you back to the first one where your ancestors are responsible for the beginnings of racism. But hear me, it is now your generation that is responsible for the ending of racism. And I believe you're up for it. I believe that the greatest civil rights leaders and the greatest social justice movement leaders are going to come out of Gen Z. I believe it with all of my heart. I work for that on a weekly basis. That's why I'm taking these tense kind of discussions to do this. Listen, I'm not the only voice. Euthology is not the only voice in this racism discussion. We're just part of the narrative. And I really believe that if you will see yourself as the healers, as the social uh, justice activists, as, uh, as part of the generation that will end this racism, I believe that if we put the pen in the hand of your generation, you're going to write a whole nother story.